Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Coach's Corner brought to you by the Endurance Lab, where you can join the coaches live and unscripted as we recap the week and answer your questions from the forum. My name is Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches, and today I'm joined by Ian Murray, Mitch Stangerman, and our nutritional therapist, Andrea Cullen. Good morning, everybody. Quick note, if you, if you look at Ian, he's got his the new Endurance Lab gear on. You missed it. He was changing earlier, but now he's got his shirt on. So, but he's got the new gear on. So that's something that we're, uh, we're testing out. The coaches will be getting um, some of that. And um, we're hoping to be able to, uh, to go to production with some of that in the near future. So um, if you love the Endurance Lab like we do and the other lab writers do, um, you'll be able to get some of this through our website pretty soon. So keep an eye open for that. So we have a good show. Um, we have Coach Taya out on vacation, so she'll be able to tell us all about how much she worked out while she was on vacation when she gets back, I'm sure. Um, but we've got a great show for you today. Um, we're going to get started off, and I'm going to throw it over to Coach Mitch. She's going to talk about um, keeping his motive. It was supposed to be his motivation up, but it's going to be your motivation up for this winter. <laughs> oh, wait, there's, a, there's an ulterior motive here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, to make sure his motivation is up during this winter. Um, but there was a great article that came um, came by in the interwebs through um, one of our partners, Precision Hydration, um, and just a nice little summary to give us some reminders for this winter as we get ready um, get ready to get back to our trainers. So take it away, Mitch. Yeah, just a, just a few points here. I mean, you can tell by the sweater I'm wearing. It is uh, winter here in Michigan. We've had an unusually cold November already. We've had a week of snow, um, and it's a winter. Right. So, I mean, it's mm. Thanksgiving this week. Um, once I get through Thanksgiving, I'm immediately beginning to think about next year. And the question is, how do I stay motivated and, and not kind of fall off the wagon in December and January and February, the tough months here in the northern hemisphere? Um, one of the things that I've always found and, and, and I surprisingly have to remind myself of this frequently, but always has been the case and i think it's the same way with many of the riders in the endurance lab and everyone here is is you need to set a goal so it's getting to be winter time you need to look out into your next season and begin setting your goals so that you have something to work for it's going to motivate you it's going to give you something to train for it's going to allow you to plan and actually start building a training plan in the in the winter and the spring um, it's allowed you to start building your fitness towards something concrete in the future. Yes, it's something nice. to be sort of accountable to yourself, right? You're going to see it on the calendar and recognize, all right, I'm going to work to get to this in June, July, August, September. Um, if it's a really long-dated event, like I'm thinking right now of uh, my first marathon in September, you got to plan some things in between too because September is a long way away and there's a tendency to kind of just – well, you know, I got 10 months. I can yeah. kind of sit back and relax and, you know, I can wait until June. No, no, no. So what you got to do is start thinking of other things in the interim. So there's a, there's a half marathon here every year in early April, which kind of fits as a perfect kind of step and then some other events to build to that event in September. The next thing you, you mean, need to start you mean, to do. Mitch, you mean to call that late winter for you guys? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's cold. It's a, it's a cold half marathon. Um, it's on uh, Ian knows the area a little bit. It's in uh, Dearborn. It's called the Martian uh, Martian Half Marathon. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, I love Ian's drinking out of a red Solo cup at five in the morning. But, but, Happy uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, what is in there? Yeah. Yeah, what is in there? It's a smoothie. <laughs> it's a green smoothie. It's my typical shake. You don't know you it see is, it out it of it looks, it looks like sludge. 
Normally you see this out of my other little picture yeah. thingy that I have in my, right. my cup at the office. That's right, that's right. But the, the, the other thing that you need to do, so right, you set a long-term goal, but then you got to start looking really kind of in the micro, and you got to start thinking about the next day. So I think we all have a tendency, all, all objects kind of like to stay in their current state. I think that applies to human beings a lot too. Um, you know, especially here where it's cold, you know, you have a tendency, you want to stay in bed in the morning. The idea of getting up and getting up early when it's really dark to uh, maybe go out and run or get on the treadmill or get on the bike, it's pretty tough. But what you have to do is you have to actually plan ahead, get all your gear set out, look at your workout, know what you're going to be doing. If you're having to set up a computer uh, for training on Zwift, make sure it's all set to go. Um, have your hydration set up, any uh, energy, uh, your pre-ride uh, or, or run meal, any of those things get done the night before so it makes it easier in the morning so it's one less thing to do. The other thing, and I think this is where Zwift really excels, especially from the riding perspective, is to train with other people. Uh, if you can't be accountable to yourself, then be accountable to somebody else. So I, I lead rides on Zwift, and one of the reasons I do it is because it forces me to get up and do the workout because I know people are there waiting for me to show up to lead a workout. So if you can't lead a ride, make sure you have a group of buddies that you're going to meet for a run or for a ride <laughs> or meet at the gym to work out so that you're all working together. You're being accountable to each other and you're actually getting this stuff done. Or you can pull a cue and lead a ride but not show up for the ride you lead. Uh, <laughs> that happens too. <laughs> It, it it definitely puts some pressure, some added pressure, as if you know if people are, um, if you're in a small group where you guys are chatting about workouts or rides that you're doing that week, or in yeah. fact, like Mitch is, you know, leading rides. I think there is some satisfaction that um, that we get as ride leaders. It's something that um, we've been fortunate with, that where we can kind of share either our knowledge or our passion with what we do, um, and it gives that extra thing where you're just not by yourself. I mean, um, Mitch and I, and, and I'm sure Ian too, came from long years of just looking at blue bars or just power numbers that that's what we were going to hit. So this is a huge like added feature of like motivation. Obviously it makes you quote unquote tough, you know, like back into the, what's the Jens Voigt days of like just looking at a, at a brick wall and that's what coaches had people do. But um, I think, I think having this added feature is something that will get more people, you know, we, we hear more and more about it in the main media of people using Zwift, using training um, in this way on trainers to really get this focus work in during the winter. So, I mean, so there's, there's, the other part on that, oh, go ahead. Jason, is that, see, I actually would, based on my multiple years of indoor training in various countries, um, will we'll debate or argue with anyone about looking at a wall makes you tough. Um, now, I obviously, yes, it does make you tough, but what I have found is that getting on and using a platform where you're riding with other people, whether it's mm -hmm. the workout or racing them even, that you can learn to suffer better because yeah. you have someone pulling you along and drilling you yeah. along. So I, I have a couple people, you know, you guys know that, that I work with, and mm -hmm. their ability to suffer on the bike has gone up tremendously from just riding outdoors or riding indoors looking at a wall or movies and riding outdoors. Do you think because, part of it is, uh, is that – you're on Zwift or you're with a group, maybe if you're in a, in a group run and you're running with faster people and they motivate you for that one minute or five minutes and you, and you sort of uncover something inside yourself you didn't know mm -hmm. that you yeah. had. Well, it, I think so. And so the way I look at it is if you and I go running, Mitch, and I start running away from you, you're just going to let me go because you know me, <laughs> right? 
No, I mean, it's just the way it is. It's the same as if I'm trying well, to... Well, I'm, I'm going to know that my 70-whatever kilograms isn't going to hang with your 40 <laughs> right, kilograms very long. It, <laughs> right, it's the same as if I try to go, you know, do a flat course against, you know, wags or something like that. I, he's yeah. going to ride away from me. I just know that, so I'm going to let him go. But the difference on Zwift is, or any of the, these platforms, if I'm riding with people I don't know, mm-hmm. it's, it might... That's going to give me some motivation to try and hold on to these people because all I know is their category. Right. Yeah. Right. And so if I know their category, I'm going to try it. Now, look, if they have a certain flag next to their name, I'm probably going to let them go. Um, <laughs> but to a certain extent, I'm going to get on there and and push and try and stay with these people because I don't know whether they're better than me in, inherently. So that tells me it's it's a competition. Whereas if I know someone is always better than me, always faster than me, just because they are, then yeah. I'm less likely to push. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the quotes in this article, and it, it touches on a theme that, I, that I'm always going back to, and, and I just wanted to bring this out, was that, here's the quote, it's, success with endurance training is largely a product of the consistency with which you can grind it out for many months. And I, I think that's really the, the whole impetus of the article about motivating yourself to train this winter is you've got to establish that consistency now yeah. to carry over into the spring and the summer to get you to the events you want to do. And it's all about consistency. Um, you know, you don't have to hit every workout. You don't have to uh, hammer every ride. But it's that consistency of day in, day out, training with appropriate recovery that's going to get you to those fitness gains to get you to your events in, a, in good prime form. Yeah. Can I throw something in there? Yeah. Um, that if your motivation isn't great, to step back and ask yourself some questions, whether it's lack of motivation through burnout and boredom or lack of motivation through laziness and disorganization and making excuses. And if it's staleness, you need to look at that right now because it's going to be a really long season if you force yourself through right now something that you're not enjoying. You, yeah. you may need to change things up or get a bit of variety or get yourself a bit of mental rest now is your time if your season yeah. is 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 next year so that yeah. you have that motivation when you need to be putting in the consistent hard work and it, it doesn't mean that you need to do doing nothing like I suppose I'm in that space I've worked really hard for four years and now mm-hmm. I'm making sure that my motivation is going to be really strong when I want it next year so okay. yesterday it was a gorgeous morning I went out on my bike so I'm being more fluid with my training yeah. so that I'm enjoying it but I'm still building base um, because they, they say that motivation is it, it's it's not infinite and, and if you're very busy in your life you only have a certain amount so you're not going to make that decision to force yourself if you haven't got it right now but it's no excuse for doing for doing nothing 
Um, but if you're lazy, <laughs> then you need to, you know, get the stick out and be more structured and like look at <laughs> look at what ways you're going to motivate yourself. You know, if it's about the w- winning or if it's about the dis- whatever you need to do mental psychology on yourself that's going to work for yourself. Yeah, no, that's very true. I've got actually right now, that's the problem I have is I can't plan my next year's season yet because I don't know yeah. when I'm moving and yeah. when I have to be where. Yeah. And it, it's very difficult. So, I, yeah, so I mean, I don't know whether I can race in August, whether I can race in July. I know I can't race basically until April because of one, weather here, but two, uh, travels. So it's it's very difficult right now to keep my motivation going and and, and really force myself to get the pool, which I'm going to do today. Um, and, awesome. and do these cool workouts and go out and run in the cold, which I, I hate more than just uh, about anything. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, more, it's not really not cold as much there, beats. is it? I, I hate beats more than I re- hate running in the cold, but <laughs> it, it is. So I have to plan this structure and I have to actually, I'm, I'm really looking at finding some 10 K's or some smaller races that I can yeah. put in my schedule to, to plan out because right now I, I can put structure in, but it's structure for what? But you have done something, Ian. You've sort of thrown yourself a challenge of learning new skills in the gym. So you you have done some things like the skill-based things and and, and other different goals, which I suppose don't have a deadline at the end of them. So in ways, Mm. you are managing yourself quite well. Get swole. Yeah, yeah, totally. One other thing, too, is is make sure you're being realistic, too, though. Um, I mean, like... You three know that I've got like some diet and, and weight goals, but I mean, there's no point in my mind trying to start them at the end of October or anywhere or in November, oh, just because it's so hard. It's so hard, and, and and you're just. I mean, we have Thanksgiving and we have a ton of family, and there's going to be tons of food and tons of alcohol. Yeah. And, and I'm going to crack down on you right now because <laughs> you've just given yourself the out. <laughs> you remember we talked about last week about making Thanksgiving and Christmas goals, right? Like three or four week goals. Like you, you just take a couple, you three. Yeah, my my goals start after Thanksgiving. <laughs> but well, Mitch, it's like a you're going to look very good in that two piece bikini. Yeah, in December. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so you're you going to fill it out nicely. <laughs> but no, I, I understand what you're saying, Andrea. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it gives you a license to to go completely crazy. But at the same time, I mean, I, I know myself, and, and I know that if I want to start something, if like I, I know my training parameters, I know my diet parameters. It's finding when I know that I'm actually going to try to adhere to them and be able to do it. Okay. Um, and it might be a little bit of a cop out, but uh, but you can little. you can apply a bit of leverage. So I think you know with with overindulgence, if we overindulge on protein. It's going to be better than 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 fat and carbs, and if we I'm, want to, enjoy- yeah, <laughs> I'm all about that. All right. So what I'm hearing you say is turkey, ham, and maybe maybe the sweet potatoes are okay yeah. if they're well, not like if, if you want to have a lot of alcohol, drop the carbs. There you go. Um, so right. it, it's just applying a bit of leverage so that you, you know you're making some good decisions within within it all, and it, it stops the emotional kind of. All, all or nothing as well, where we totally kill ourselves after we've we've kind of over overdone it. But so, so we've got Thanksgiving Day strategies by Coach's Corner. There you go. That's, that's it. right. That's today. There you go. So, was there anything else from that article, uh, Mitch? That we uh, no. I mean, I, I think you know, going back, it's it's setting your goals, it's planning ahead, and it's uh, working in a group so you're accountable to other people. 
That's um, a big thing. Yeah, we've gone through yeah. setups and things like that. You you guys all have your go-to setups indoors and making that more comfortable, adding something to that could always uh, freshen that thing that up. But um, just being ready to kind of go to that every uh, every time you need to do your training is super key. That was great. So um, let's see. Let's uh, go ahead and slide on over to um, Andrea here. Um, she had posted um, a topic um, inside our Endurance Lab forum. If you haven't checked that out, check that at discourse.endurancelab.fit. And we were talking a little bit about pre-training snacks and post-training recovery. We've talked a lot about the different foods that we eat during our during our um, workouts to be able to get the fuel in. But there's a lot of times conversation about what to do before and after. Uh, and we've chatted a little bit about that. But she came across a really nice chart that kind of breaks things down as well as a couple articles that we'll post links to in the show notes. So, um, Andrea, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so this chart um, I actually created to nice. get people thinking about their, their training session and, and, and what to eat before it. Cause a lot of people just do the, the same thing over and over. It'll be mm-hmm. a lot of carbs or a lot of protein and, and they're not really thinking, or some people don't even time their nutrition around their training and they're, they're eating just in, in, in meal times. And what I'm trying to educate people in is the idea of mm-hmm. periodization and adjusting nutrition to the demands of the session um, and the goals of the session so that you get more out of it. Um, now, to tag along with this, if you wanted to read, um, there's a really good article that Louise Burke came out with recently um, called Swifter, Higher, Stronger, What's on the Menu? And it's written by herself and John Hawley. Um, I think it's, it's we'll put the link up, but it's in Science Magazine. And when you read this article, what you should start to think of at the back of your mind is, why are so many people going low carb or doing ketogenic diets when there's so little research? So it, it's a really well written article. And I, I, I recommend that you have a read of that and, and it will get you thinking a little bit. Um, so the chart that I r- wrote up and posted on the forum, which is open for everyone to jump into, isn't it, Jason? It is. It is. It's um, is sort of a checklist of things to ask yourself Um to direct what, how, and when, or even if you should eat before, during, or after your training session. And I'm trying to get people just thinking a little bit. So when the when your coaches or when you put a, a, a session in, I want you to think about, well, what am I trying to achieve here? And then how can I help this session by the nutrition strategy that I use? Um, and that will come in the context of quite a few things. So that's why I've kind of put all these little boxes out. But I'll, I'll run through a, a couple of them now. So the first thing you need to ask yourself, and if you don't understand this, the answer to this, you ask your coach, and it's what are the goals of this training session? Um, what are, you know, important things would be the intensity, the duration, even the weather conditions can change nutrition needs and hydration needs a little bit. Um, is there specific work within the session that you need to, to consider? So if there's a lot of hill work or sprint work or tempo work or power work or stuff where you're doing a lot of pace, that's going to take you into a higher zone, which is going to be more of a carbohydrate guzzling zone. So then you think, ah, oh, right, I understand that I need to fuel this session so that I get quality out of it. And when I get quality, I push for adaptions. So you want to fuel well for it and make sure that you recover. If it's technique or skill based or in a lower zone, then fueling may not be quite so important. However, 
when it's technique or skills, you can't be tired. So doing it fasted and all you're thinking about is, oh, what, what am I going to eat later? You're not really getting your technique and skill nailed. So again, you know, being comfortably nourished is important so that you're not distracted by, you know, wanting to eat something. Um, so when you're asking yourself these things, what you're really kind of trying to determine is what is my fuel source? Um, how long do I have in the tank compared to how long the session is? Um, and other important things like preventing muscle breakdown or supporting cognitive function or neuromuscular function. Because there's food isn't just our fuel. It's giving us nutrition as well. Um, then you take this in the context of your goals and where you are. Well, in your real season. quick, Andrea, I want to touch on something you, you just hit there. It's really yeah. important, especially for those. Are, so, look, on the bike, your skills, it's pretty easy mentally, I, I would say, for the most part, to, to practice those skills and not lose track. But when you are when you're swimming for sure, and I would even argue running, you definitely need to think about this because I know, and Mitch can probably back me up on this and Andrea too, that if I'm hungry and I get in the pool, I am not thinking about my technique. (laughs) I'm thinking about knocking this workout out and getting some food. And if I'm hungry 25 minutes into my swim, it's going to be the same thing. So it's super important, especially for really technique driven sports that you are doing everything you need to do to make it so your brain is not going to switch from focus on that technique to something else. And and your nutrition is key for that because if I go in overfed or underfed, I'm going to have an issue and I'm not going to focus on the on that goal of the technique of it. And running is going to be a, a very similar thing. If you're trying to focus on your technique for running and you're and you're underfed and you start bonking a little bit or you start suffering from a little bit of uh, uh, sugar crashing or yeah. whatnot you're going to you're you're going to lose form and it's going to it has a p- potential to be much more detrimental to you to your workout and to your your actual potential for injury than on the bike cuz on the bike you'll just pedal a little slower potentially um you're you're less likely to lose form to a point where you risk injury or risk bad habits whereas in the pool if i lose if i if i do this 3 4 or 5 times in a row i now have a bad habit in my stroke unless wow. i'm a natural swimmer so yeah. And Andrea, let me, and maybe we've covered this before, but I mean, I think especially this time of year, a lot of people are doing early morning workouts. Um, maybe they're hard, maybe they're, you know, medium intensity, maybe they're easy. But I mean, what are the strategies for the folks who are getting up, say, at 4.40, 5 o'clock in the morning um, and jumping right into a workout Stay. where that kind of, where, where the ability to eat in a timely fashion before for the workout so you can actually digest it doesn't really exist because you don't have the uh the window in your sleep yeah i guess some of those sessions may be appropriate for fasted or low carb work Mm -hmm. if they're they're low zone um other you have to ask is it going to help me or hinder me to do that fasted like is it Mm -hmm. going to help with adaption or am i going to burn myself out regarding hormones and adrenals you might not feel that great you might have Mm -hmm. had a poor night's sleep so then you may want to just nibble on something if it's not appropriate to be doing it fasted or you are battling hormonal or fatigue issues um you may want to eat a snack before you go to bed and that should be good enough to top up liver liver glycogen Mm -hmm. stores to get you through that session um if the session is long and slow um but you want to do it fasted i would bring something with you to and sort of keep an eye on how am I feeling, how am I feeling, and and not to to dip too too low. Um, so I suppose it's playing around with those different things. But the biggest context for me with an athlete would be 
how are they feeling? Is their energy good? Is their immune system good? Are they recovering from sessions? How experienced are they? So if they're an experienced athlete, they're going to be automatically better primed for fat oxidation. So we'll tolerate a switch into fasted sessions better. Whereas if they're an inexperienced athlete, they are going to and have been eating sort of a normal standard diet. It's going to take a while for them to, to have the, the, the fat oxidation capacity. Similarly, if someone is eating a really high carbohydrate diet and they have for a long time and suddenly they try and go low carb and do fasted sessions, <laughs> it takes time for these adaptions to happen. Um, yeah. And pacing is crucial because a lot of people may want to do the fasted sessions, but aren't, they haven't got the patience to, to do the, the low slow. Yeah. Um, yeah, where you know the way they say a lot of athletes train in the middle, and the uh, the, the 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 pro level or elites train polarized, yeah, where exactly. they're 80-20, isn't it? 80-20 approximately, but yeah. they're very slow or very pacey. So, yeah. I su- yeah. so I, this is where a coach can really catch you on things and yeah. can guide you along. So I think for a lot Thank of our. You. I think for a lot of our endurance lab riders um, and a lot of the rides that um, even Mitch uh, leads, these are uh, anywhere from 60 to 70 minutes. A lot of times you'll have the fuel on board to be able to do that without um, anything extra. Um, So you could rest assured that you can go ahead and do that in the morning for those lab riders, be able to get through that first hour, even if there is a little bit of intensity. If we're going to go over that essentially 75, 90 minute mark, and it's going to go for longer, your intensity obviously is going to come down, you're going to need to start fueling that. And that's usually the mark around that 90 minute if you think you're going to go um, for those longer rides. But if they're if they're 60 minute quickies, I mean, get that in and then just get to your meal right after that. You guys, you know, you, a yeah, lot but of our there's, riders there's things, If you plan it out the night before, like I, I do my shakes the night before, I have everything yeah. laid out, everything ready to go. And it can be something as simple as just having a little piece of fruit or mm-hmm. having a little something very, very small, because a lot of times it's just getting your body to acknowledge that you're up and that you you did the routine of putting something in it, yeah. and now it's good to go. Yeah, um, at least that's what I found. If I get on, if I get up and get out and start training without even, without taking any calories in, my body it's, just doesn't wake up. I mean, it's I don't wake up until about an hour into the workout if I do that. I've had a lot of success in the past, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, just with simple gels and with, um, with mm-hmm. high-quality um Column endurance and, and carbohydrate uh, like yeah. sports drinks, um, which I'll either um, you know before a workout. I used to, I was a big uh, user of goo gels for a long time, right? And mm-hmm. it's right on the on the on the package, right? Fifteen minutes before, and I think every forty five minutes or something is what they, which is just a you know rule of thumb for them, but it always worked well for me on uh, longer, uh, harder efforts. Yeah, yeah I, it's I, interesting that what Ian mentioned there about just having a little bit of something, the brain um, has an ability to detect the storage yeah. for our energy reserves. Um, and if, if you know, we are a bit low in the tank, that's going to dictate pace. So if you have a session and you're going to do it, you've got up really early and you're fasted and you may not be fully recovered, you're going to be sluggish all over the place because the brain just isn't going to push you through that. Whereas if you have just something small, it does... It's the same as the carbohydrate mouthwashing, I would assume. Your brain kind of then is primed for, oh, food is on the way. So it lets you tap into that reserve tank that it doesn't normally do. Um, But another thing where you mentioned, you know, if you're going to take something in on the bike, if it's early and, you know, preseason or base training and you are trying to um, encourage those 
that improved metabolic flexibility where you can become better at fat, fat oxidizing in, in the, the lower intensities um, right through and less carb dependent, but you will still need the carbs at the higher intensities. To use a slower releasing carb, form of carbohydrate will be better than using a faster releasing carbohydrate. So there are some, some patented slow release carbs now um, or, you know, boiled cooled rice or boiled cooled potatoes. They're, they're handy enough when we're, when we're on the bike and they will not create the same insulin um, release, which will block our fat burning. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about early in the season, whereas later in the season, I'm racing. Yeah, we want every bit of sugar in our system that we can get. Yeah. Um, but that could be a strategy that that works. Now there there are there is uh, generation you can, yep. and there is mm-hmm. Ethic Sport, which is in Europe that have a, a patent slow release form. Yeah, there's a couple yeah, of really good. I ones. like you can, but it's got some side effects. Yeah. As I think uh, Vitargo and then uh, there's a couple others that are, have been really good that have come out as um, long chain um, carbohydrates that uh, um, people are starting to use um, to kind of slow that down. Um, but I think in the end, in order to get that, in order to get that kick, a lot of people are still, you know, especially for cycling, you're still going to need that carbohydrate. And I think for like marathon running, I think it's been really successful. Long ultra endurance things, it's been really really good. Um, but yeah, I think it's just it's just about adapting to that sort of thing. So um, we can pick up on that uh, chart there, Andrea. Yeah. So asking yourself, what are your long-term goals and where you are um, was something I just touched on. So your current fitness is is going to determine, you know, your fat oxidation rates, your metabolic flexibility, your, your health, et cetera, et cetera. Your current and recent diet, you know, will tell a lot about the, the, your fuel system preferences so if you have been on a very high sugar high carb diet well that's not ideal I, I would suggest starting to change that um but it will determine how effectively you will make a switch to a healthier diet which is where some people may quote you know i've gone from this kind of standard american diet to a really healthy one and they feel terrible because maybe their body diet. just is carb dependent and it's going to take a bit of a time to transition your current body composition um so if you tend to be a, a, a lean, high metabolic rate type person, you're probably better just kind of grazing and snacking consistently across the day. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, you that's where getting some advice about when and where to eat can be very helpful. You know, some sessions you want to prioritize your food for around them. Others, you may be able to do fasted dropping your, your food intake down at other parts of the day. Um, but I, I never really feel that pre-training nutrition should be withheld that frequently because of the consequences on your adrenals and fatigue and burnout and, again, the quality of the session. Um, your current health. So if you're, you know, a, a, say a female or a male with, with low hormone levels, doing lots of faster training sessions is the last thing that you want to be doing. So your current health is, is important. Um, then you want to ask yourself, well, what time is my session? And that, that's the biggest one, I, I, I think, you know, regarding especially early mornings. Um, how well recovered are you from your previous training session? Did you sleep well is a big one. Um, I, I, I think you want to help yourself in every way if you've had a poor night's sleep to get a quality session in. Um, for women, the phases of our cycle can affect us big time. Um, but I think if we listen to our bodies, we can clue in on that. That's a long conversation the, for, for women. Um, how do you feel? Energy, motivation, general health. You know, if you feel you have a cough or cold coming on, not getting enough pre-training of a pre-training snack in is, is pretty daft, really, because you're going to affect your immune system even more. Um, 
so I would eat well or question whether you you should be doing the session at all. Um, now, from kind of triathletes or cyclists or runners that are training once or twice a day, this is where it becomes more complicated and you need to be thinking about what's the session ahead as well as what's the session that I'm about to do. So this is where fasted sessions can be difficult because they can leave you on the back foot for the session after. So just say you had a long, slow morning run, but you had a set of work later on in the evening that was quite intense. If you can't get that recovery in or have enough time, I wouldn't suggest doing a fasted session in the morning because that will leave you on the back foot for the next one. So you need to always be thinking a little bit ahead. It's a bit like how you would normally do your day. You know, you need to get to work and then you need to get to collect the kids after school so you plan so it's the same with your training if you two sessions you need to think ahead for both of them and how you're going to manage your your food for that um and then considering the context of each of those sessions so just say you have a big working session in the morning and another intense session in the evening well this is going to be your carb day have fun (laughs) whereas if it's a shorter bike session with power work strength work and then a strength session later well Maybe you don't need quite so many carbohydrates, but definitely protein is going to be important. Um, And Ian, vegetables are always important. (laughs) You know, nobody cares what you think, Andrew. Nobody cares. He's drinking them right now, so I I don't know what your concern is. is. This has broccoli and carrots in it. There you go. There you go. Oh, very good. So you're ahead of us all at this stage of the day. So, yeah, thinking about what's the, the session ahead again. Um... Considering the context of the session in relation to the training week, the training block and where you are in your season is very important. Do you have a race this week? So I wouldn't be going out, um, you know, not eating before my training sessions if it's race week because you should be getting your carbs in. Um, Then looking at the context of the week. So generally when coaches write your plans, they have a lot of goals for that week. So it, it could be that you're in a hard training block. It could be base. It could be that you're, oh, what other things would you be thinking of? A skill week. Um, it could be a recovery week. So the context of the whole week can be important for your nutrition as well as a whole. So strength, power, pace, fat adaption, weight loss, whether you're acclimating um, or you're in a different climate. So all of these things will will change a little bit, your nutrition for that week. Um, your experience. I've already said this, but your experience as an athlete very much dictates how good you are at fat oxidation. Even... Yeah. Athletes that eat very high, high carb diets, like a lot, like a lot of marathon runners, have exceptionally high rates of fat oxidation as a function of their training, and, and we tend to forget this. The training is a huge stimulus on how metabolically flexible we are, more so probably than diet. But diet's very important too. Um, so then, you, you, there could be nutrition things that we can do to help that training session. Um, so running, maybe we want to eat more beets or protein if it's strength building so there can be things that support it <laughs> you know you could no. eat a, you could eat arugula arugula has a good amount of nitrates too uh as, as an alternative yeah it, it, it does yeah. It, it, and, and, and romaine for weight loss oh my <laughs> God. you guys there's been a recent yeah there was a recent article that was put out last night it's it's pretty bad here in the u.s there's been numerous cases of uh, e coli infection of romaine so but you are watching jump. this. Yeah, this is, this is crazy times here. But Andrea said that's very common for uh, American salads to be this way. 
Yeah. Hey, and this is why you don't eat salads. This is why you grow your own. Yeah. It's the washed packets. I think yeah. they it can be mixed mm. batches and it can be exposed to various things and there's low traceability. So I think the it's the green salads that create the highest rate of food poisoning in, in your country. Yeah. I so, believe Chipotle has the highest rate of food poisoning. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> well, there, there goes that sponsor. There goes that. <laughs> um, on, on your next section, Andrea, in your chart, you actually have something interesting about um, nutrition for dealing with specific things. And, and you mentioned uh, bone health, um, which is something I'm always cognizant of because I had a number of stress fractures a, a handful of years ago. And, and when I looked at my diet, I realized that I really had no calcium in my diet. I mean, I, I would eat broccoli, right? And broccoli's got some calcium, but I wasn't really having any dairy or, or any of the real traditional sources of calcium. Um, what are some thoughts around ways to get calcium in a kind of a balanced diet beyond just having yogurt every morning or, or cereal with milk? Okay, so our bone health is related to several nutrients. And the one that doesn't get much press, which is incredibly important, is vitamin K. And vitamin K helps to knit in the calcium and the other minerals into the bone. So it's the forgotten one. And and a lot of doctors, so just say someone has poor bone density, they will put you on a calcium and and vitamin D supplement. So we've made progress. We've, We've got the vitamin D in there. But the calcium requires vitamin K to knit that in. And without that vitamin K, we can actually increase the risk of heart disease and atherosclerosis because the calcium is depositing in the arteries and not in the bones where we want it. So vitamin K is really important. And we'll get that from fermented foods, organ foods, and our dark green leafy vegetables. So it's the concern Kale. is... Yes. Concern is in here too. <laughs> You're getting bonus points today. So it's it's not that we need to drink lots of milk, which actually doesn't really have much vitamin K. It's it's our nuts and seeds. It's our whole grains. It's our leafy greens. Um, It's getting our vitamin D levels checked. It's the health of our gut because we produce vitamin K um, with the assistance of our bacteria. Um, so it's kind of looking at the whole picture. So yeah. don't worry that you don't need to chuck in a lot of, a lot of dairy. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's funny cause when I, when someone asks me about a healthy diet, it's, it's always the same foods again, but for <laughs> many, many different reasons. So, yeah. so the key is, is really a healthy, balanced nutritional yeah. diet, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we get, we get, a, we get a lot of flack. Um, my son doesn't, um, hasn't drank, um, regular milk. He, uh, we have other sources of calcium. He doesn't do a lot of like conventional breads. He does other breads, and they're like, "Why? Where is he going to get his calcium?" And like from other foods, guys. And then it's just it's just tough, to, you know, people to kind of grasp that it does come from other foods, like green leafy vegetables and things like that. So it's just important to understand where we can get those sources. Yeah, a great food. Now that you're saying it, would be sushi. So we have, yeah. you know, if we have yeah. the ses- sesame seeds, the rice, we have the mm-hmm. seaweed, and we have the the protein in there, yeah. and your broth, your broths with your your whole whole grains and your veg, and and a bit of protein in there as well. Um, preferably made from bones, they're going to be really good too. And yeah. another food that's great for bones is canned fish, and when they have the bones in it. So the bones mm-hmm. go all really soft, and then you know we mash it into whatever we're doing, and we're getting bone nutrients essentially from the fish bones yeah sardines on with the bone in it grosses oh. every grosses everyone out <laughs> rylan loves it man you just mix it all in it, it's a good it's a good meal man yeah really good <laughs> 
All right. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Do we got anything else uh, on our, our box checklist here for uh, people to kind of consider? A lot of times we come up with recommendations straight away, but these are actually questions that you can ask yourself. You can go through the check boxes and kind of get an idea, work with your coach, work with the people around you, and ask if these training snacks, if these you know pre-training things and post-training recovery, if they're on point for what you need. So take a look at that. We'll post a link to the image here in the show notes as well. You can take a look at that. You can post questions here in the forum, and we'll be able to answer those afterwards as well. So really great. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add, Andrea, before we move on? No, just just get into the forum and 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 keep adding in your ideas because I yeah. think everyone gets in a bit of a rut with ideas for what to eat before and after training. So the more we can help each other with ideas, it it just helps us get variety in. Absolutely, absolutely. So jump in there. Um, I will also post a link to uh, the forum. It is um, an open. Uh, most of it is an open public forum. There is a closed forum for those doing our lab workouts, but an open forum for everyone else. I'm actually going to go ahead and slide on over. Um, we are considering time here to talk a little bit about um, what our writers in the in the lab are doing this week because we want to talk a little bit about our up and coming um, on the horizon with the strength, uh, strength training lab and we're going to have a little bit of conversation about that. So for those writers that are in the lab, um, they're going to be doing a little bit of um, uh, actually some good amount of work. Um, there's some new workouts that we put out, especially in the stability lab, where they are really pushing you to p- combine efforts or combine systems to be able to put these skills together to use out there. And uh, riders are really, really uh, reacting to it well. They really enjoy kind of being able to put this all together versus just holding wattages. Um, so we've got aerobic 455, which is essentially building your aerobic engine with um, just, a, just a mishmash of VO2 threshold sweet spot. Um, making yourself go up to these levels where you're either closing gaps or kind of visualizing things and kind of holding off um, paces and really holding at a high amount and being able to recover at that sweet spot threshold and be able to come back up and do a VO2 effort. So really, really nice work out there. Um, Breakaway 2, which is obviously uh, on the tail of Breakaway 1, which is essentially wanting to really put high efforts out and stick high efforts, whether it's, again, to, you know, do that closing of the gap to if, if you're off the back, if you're off the front, making people really work hard or making, you know, making the efforts really, really difficult. And then at the end of the week, we've got the 4230 threshold um, builder, which is essentially just getting yourself, you know, working at the threshold effort um, and be able to recover at tempo. A lot of times threshold or higher efforts, you're recovering at full recovery. Um, and we always talk about being respectful to whether the recovery is a full recovery or you're trying to train yourself to recover at a high level. And this is one of those. And as we start to combine these workouts, this is what's going to make you strong. Because in, in very few efforts, um, when you're out on the road, are you completely zone one, uh, unless you're maybe going downhill. But even though everyone knows going downhill, everyone just puts the hammer down. And so it ends up being an effort going downhill too. But this will allow you to kind of use that. So really cool workouts that we've got going on in the week and if you're interested in learning more about those head over to endurancelab.fit and get involved we are going to be able to put you into the lab if you're going into off season or whatever you may be doing we've got that for you as well so yeah see uh, i was gonna say frodo (laughs) likes it too though (laughs) i have a cousin's dog named frodo um, so, all right. So um, I did want to have a little bit of a longer conversation here. So we do have um, our, our section here on the horizon. We wanted to talk about a little bit of off-season, kind of how you're going to be switching off. Are you going to be continuing on the bike? We are beta testing um, a strength training lab. I'm going to have Ian introduce that. And it's something that a lot of our coaches and we have a couple riders kind of testing out. 
something that we're preparing for you guys maybe later in the off season. Um, and it'll be a nice transition to if you really want to build some strength and power in the off season and you've got the access to a gym. Yeah. Thanks Jason. So, you know, obviously as you guys can, can tell just by looking at me here, I'm, I'm definitely what you would look at and go, that dude's a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, he's an Olympic power lifter. Uh, now it's a, uh, it, it's one of the things I, I've actually done my entire life off and on is, is some strength training based on previous sports, you know, being a boxer wrestler in college and then coming through uh, my younger days of trying to get buff and big and that never actually quite working out because apparently I'm genetically predisposed to be a small, fast runner. Um, you know, so I, I've had a lot of different experiences with this. And what I found, though, is I get older especially, but even even more so I was doing it some in my, uh, in my late 20s and I had a lot of really good success off of that of developing speed and power. Um, we really need to do weightlifting that's focused on weightlifting. And I think a lot of times what we do – is as endurance athletes, we focus everything as far as our weightlifting and our training on endurance. And I have a friend of mine here who was the strength coach for the Washington Redskins for a number of years, and he kind of helped me put this plan together. And his, his big focus was if you're doing endurance, you do endurance. If you're doing strength, you do strength. Yeah. And so in the gym, strength training is no different than what we're doing on, on the bike or running or swimming as far as training specific energy systems to have a specific response. So what we put together in the strength training is something that's, it's designed for power and explosion. And that's really what we're focused on because we're, we're designing this behind, um, our, our cycling into some extent, our running capabilities. Mm -hmm. But if you'll notice when, when we, when we're doing these, there's a lot of rest built in as well. And I think one of the common mistakes we make both in our training for, for triathlon or cycling as well. And more so in strength training is that, we don't take enough rest because no one wants to sit there for two minutes and be accused of the selfie being the selfie king or the or doing sit arounds or mirror sets. Uh, so, so you know, I, I I do put in a lot of uh, like two minute rests, uh, five minute rests for between major major muscle movement sets. And and so far, what I've seen is now, granted, I'm not putting on really really intense workouts on the bike or running yeah. on top of this because my my body's fatigued from it. But I'm actually having some pretty good, pretty good gains right away, um, and so I'm up at weights that I haven't done since I, you know, was in my mid twenties. Um, so, and, and I know you're probably going, "Well, Ian, that's three years ago," but <laughs> it's, it's much more than three years ago. <laughs> so, um, but the key to this is, though, you have to be patient, yeah. and you have to use techniques. And if you don't know the techniques, you have to get someone to show you and watch you do it, because all of these things, just like anything else we do in the labs, is that it's very critical you do it correctly. If you do poor form, you're going to train your body to do things incorrectly, and you're probably going to hurt yourself. Uh, but more importantly, you're, if you're trying to do a squat, for example, and you're, you're bending over and you're not going deep enough, then you're not working that full range of, of motion on the muscle, and you could actually uh, cause some damage later on down the road because your muscles are not adapted to or adept at, at doing effort in full range. And that, that can cause problem later when you're running because it can cause – different um, physiological actions inside that muscle that, that can lead to injury. So it's, it's definitely one so far I think that a few of us are enjoying. I think yeah. a few of us are, are um, learning that it's, uh, it's very hard at times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we have to check our ego at the door. 
You've got to. You've got to. I think um, this is one of those situations where, you know, I've got to the end of the season and I was really excited um, to move on to whatever would be next. And I didn't realize how much I was kind of almost burnt out on um, the cycling. And I literally started two days after like kind of my A race and uh, being able to get off the bike and take some intensity and some time off and learn some new skills. Um, it took a lot of, um, you know, a video watching kind of Ian's got some really great videos. I we've he's starting to put um, a group of videos together for these exact strength workouts the same way we have for our cycling workouts. So it's going to be very informative in that respect. And I'm coming from zero background in lifting. Um, I've done some very simple things like five by five, which is essentially just squats, deadlifts, um, bench press, um, overhead press. So I know those movements, but the movements that he's talking about that are explosive are almost to the side of like Olympic lifting, but maybe not, I don't know if it progresses to over our head, but we've got some high pulls that are very, very explosive from the floor. So I'm only in the first, I'm only entering the second week. So and that's where I'm at, but I am in a new level of, uh, of like a uh, muscle fatigue that I, I didn't get all season, even on my longest rides, four hours, five hours. Like it's a total different something. It, it's nuts. Like can't walk upstairs, can't walk downstairs. I have a job that requires me to put my arms above my head, like, and I can't really do that. So I'm kind of like this doing, doing, doing exams, doing my eye exams. And so, and, um, and then we talk about fueling. It's nuts. It's a whole different world. Cause I, I, I try to get workouts during lunch. So not only am I trying to get a lunch in, I'm also trying to get a workout in, but you, I just have to time it all right so that it makes it happen. So it's kind of fun to, um, to do something a little bit different, learn some new skills, um, and kind of fit something in the schedule where I'm not. And then secondly, and as Ian talked about too, the intensity has got to come down. And I actually messaged um, Ian on this on Sunday because I went out for my normal um, Sunday ride, which is usually kind of uh, um, zone two, low zone two tempo stuff. And then it goes up to VO2 for climbs. And I hit the first climb and there's like, there's no way. I did three workouts this week. There's no way. So I'm like, let's go like high tempo, low zone, low zone too. And like, I managed a good three hours like that. And, um, and that was fine. But um, he's like, yeah, it's definitely gonna it'll take time. So I was looking to shoot for intensity around 0.8. I managed about 0.68. <laughs> so it, there was an eight somewhere in there. But but yeah, I think I think you just have to respect you have you just have to respect what you're trying to build, right? And when we talk about it all the time, we don't want to burn the candle on both ends. I'm not going to raise my FTP during this next right. 8 to 12 weeks. I'm going to hopefully gain some strength that I haven't. And I've really been building. And only over the last two seasons where we've done a lot of um, off-the-bike work with the lab and kind of teaching the lab riders how to do this, I haven't had to go, on, go through any you know lower back issues. You know, Coach Taya has gone through the same thing where I can do <clears> hours, you know, um, you know, anywhere from five, five to seven hours and not have any aches or pains and more worried about like strategy and making sure that I'm fueling and getting those things right rather than like being uncomfortable on the bike or trying to stretch or doing these crazy things that you see people doing, you know, fourth, fifth hour of rides. So I'm really excited about this coming up for those riders. I think um, you're really going to enjoy this. It's going to take a little bit of work. You're going to need to learn a new skill. Obviously, you're going to need um, to work at a gym. I'm at a Globo gym. I know you, you, um, you've got a gym at work, In Is that where we see you do those yeah. workouts? Okay. So, I mean, the Globo gym is crazy because, like, people are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's not a CrossFit gym, but uh, the Globo gym I'm talking about is, like, a 24-hour fitness or, like, a, like a more commercialized gym. But luckily, they do have some lifting mats, um, and, and that will be helpful. But um, I think you just need to find what you can do. And there's modifications, just like any workout. 
and you just need to find out what yeah. you could do and be humble and just start like some of the workouts i literally had to start with just the bar because i needed to learn how to move i just yeah. don't know like that's all you can that's all you can do and, and until you can get that right i just i just want to respect that and if it means that i go there early and there's no one there and that's what i need to, until i start to get those those things back then i'll feel comfortable then that's what you guys got to do yeah, there, there's two things. One is some of these exercises, too, are designed to prevent injury, future yeah. injury. So especially the glute hamstring um, crunch, that one, first off, you ain't going to do it right the first time. Mm-mm. You're not going to be able to do it unassisted. In fact, you're not going to do it unassisted for the first three weeks. Just just yeah, check that right away. You're going to need the assistance, whether it's a band or a, or a stick, because it's tough. But if you can do that, you're, you'll pretty much make your hamstrings bulletproof uh, once you can get, get that going. But two is... One thing we all have to worry about when we go to the gym, there's going to be some big men and women there who are just throwing around crazy amounts of weight. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. Good for them. That's not what we do. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and no, and, and that's what the conversation I had with my yeah. friend who helped me develop this. He said, look, don't, you can't compare yourself to anybody else in the gym because how yeah. many people in this gym can run a five-minute mile? Yeah. Mm, nobody. So you know, don't worry about that. You can do things they can't. You're focused on your sport. So when you when we go to the gym – if someone gives you some grief about, oh, hey, good job at squatting 35 pounds, ha, 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 like, hey, that's great. Let's go sit on a bike for four hours and let's talk. Tell me how your butt feels. Yeah. Um, you know, so just you, you're focused on you. You're not focused on what anyone else is doing. And, and, and honestly, the people who are, who are going to throw out those kind of jeers and jabs, they're just they're going to be that way anyways. The, mm-hmm. the ones who are the, the people who can help you out, they're going to come over and say, hey, man, you know, I saw you doing this. Watch your form a little bit or – Hey, this might help you a little bit. There, there's, you're going to meet some really cool people who are going to who are going to help you out if you need it. Um, it'll be there for you. Yeah. 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 Strength, strength work is really interesting, and and what you will do, Jason, and the new people new to it that the experienced strength people won't do is have a much faster rate of progress mm-hmm. initially. But you are learning new nervous system. Mm-hmm. work and also you're using the creatine phosphate system and like and some a little bit of the glycolytic system so your body is having to learn to reshuffle creatine phosphate back into the atp a lot a lot quicker um, than it has done previously which is where the rest like ian said is yeah. absolutely crucial because this takes time otherwise you're not going to have completely recovered and you're sort of doing a rep but you're using a different energy system. It's not. It's not the power and explosion. Now, creatine, phos- creatine monohydrate as a supplement can be helpful for this type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need. I don't. I don't know about you, Ian, but I don't feel that this big loading protocol is necessary. And, you could just start on five grams, five grams. a day and and, mm-hmm. and and continue on that. Uh, vegans and vegetarians are going to have a very low base of creatine in their system anyway. So they may want to either look at their diets, but possibly not for ethical reasons, um, or consider taking creatine monohydrate. You don't need a fancy one. Um, So, yeah, it's really exciting. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to following everyone doing this. But like Ian said, technique is crucial. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and and real quick, I just want to go over... Here's an example of one workout we're doing. This is the one that's on Friday for, for the people who started when I did, and Jason has this, I think, in two weeks. Yep. Um, it's called Step uh, step Ups. And like everything else, we start with a 10 to 15-minute warm-up. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you're lifting heavy weights. Yeah. It's like we don't get on the bike and go into VO2 right away, so you can't get into the weight room and just go, nah, let's, 
guys throw on 225 pounds and squat this bad boy. You need to have your muscles warmed up. And yeah. because you're doing explosive efforts, you need to be warmed up. Um, there's no there's no going into this semi warmed up or co- or a little cold. You need to be ready to go. Um, then we do some burpees to finish that warm up, and then some kettlebell swings. Mm-hmm. And the one thing on the kettlebell swings is different than what other kettlebell swings we've done before, which were the kettlebell squats where we were coming up. This is really just a focus on that hinge of the hip mm-hmm. where you're thrusting the hips forward. So if you're bringing your arms way above your head or actually above your chest, you need to put more weight on. Mm-hmm. Your, your arms should should not come to parallel. They should be a little bit below that. You know, we're talking 15 to 30, 15 to 50 degrees, somewhere around there, depending on your explosiveness. But if they're coming parallel, too much or too little weight, add weight. Um, and those are, again, just for a warm-up. But then we go into um, sets of power cleans or high pulls, whatever you're comfortable with. And so that's something you would want to look up and, uh, and understand um, to make sure you know how to do it and get some help with that. And then we go into dumbbell press. Ankles to the bar, which are my favorite. Um, get on a pull-up bar and you curl your ankles up. Um, and then we do box step-ups. So you get a, a, a box and you literally just step up and come mm-hmm. up on it. Um, at plank series and a side box step-up and then the glute hamstring crunch. So there's, n- they're not, there's not a lot of things to do. It, most of these take between 35 and 50 minutes, mm-hmm. um, plus or minus, depending on your uh, – a little bit based on your warm-up. And, and that's it. So you're not going to walk out of there. It's not going to be a 90-minute workout. You're not going to walk out. Um, it, initially, you're going to walk out like, uh, I sh- yeah. have to just to yeah. wash my hair. Yeah. But um, once your body gets adapted to it, you'll be fine. You'll, be able to, you'll walk out. You'll feel a little smoked, but you're not going to be crushed. Yeah, it's at, it's at 24, 48 hours right before you're thinking about doing the next workout. You're like, man, really? Only one day off, huh? Like, maybe I could do this in two days. So, yeah, right now I'm doing Monday, Thursday, Saturday. So I have got a longer um, in the middle of the week and then I've got shorter at, by the end. It's been okay. And I've been starting to um, run to the gym. You'd be, everyone would be proud. In like 50 degree weather for those cold, uh, if that's cold for those people in the cold weather. Um, and so, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, Coach Tia would be the same. Um, but yeah, so I get that run it's in. It's not I'm, cold until it's less than zero Fahrenheit. Okay, okay. So it's not cold. It's not, that's cold. So I run to the gym, and then I go straight to the kettlebell, and it's nice. There's nobody there at like 4.35. Only the serious people, I feel like. It's like going to Costco at 8 o'clock, and they close at 8.30. Only the people who know what they want at Costco are there, and that's what's the gym at 4.30. <laughs> you know, there's two things you can do to help yourself out in this initial period. Caffeine before a workout yep. can really help focus um, and power um, there's some interesting studies on muscle responsiveness and you may find are you craving more protein yeah absolutely and I'm getting it in um, in my pre-workout that along with um, creatine has been really helpful um, to keep me sharp and also it curbs that hunger so that I can get that good um, post-workout meal in as well but I have to have that all prepared I don't have enough time to eat enough protein right now like I have to like start early eat or er- eating earlier in the day because I usually and eat, just start eating around lunch. So I've got I've got to eat earlier. So I've just started eating at the beginning of the day instead of the middle. And so it's just one of those things. Because if not, I just don't feel well. And so if I want to do it, other stuff, but I just need to make sure that it's balanced. But you're right. Right from the beginning, you had mentioned it. So I'm shooting for about, um, so I weigh like 160 now. So looking at around that amount in grams for me um, to shoot up to there would be safe from what I understand. So um, I'm trying to get close to that number um, per day, but it's hard um, to get whole foods that much. You just got to eat a lot, you know? And so. 
He was just nodding his head. Yes, eat a lot. Hard-boiled <laughs> eggs, man. Yeah. Hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. Six, no, I mean, it's like for a meal. Like, <laughs> breakfast is, is four eggs. You've got that after after lunch. And then trying to get, like, decent like decent piece of protein at night, like salmon or some meat, it's 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 what we're it's what we're rolling my wife's like what are we doing and my son's loving it so my son's like yeah let's eat it he's all about the protein but my wife's like i don't know like it's a lot for yeah you you can you can't eat too much all of the studies and jose antonio has done some great studies he's done in florida and even up to three grams per kick is gonna be okay yeah and and high leucine food choices Mm -hmm. are gonna help as that signals so your dairy and your poultry yeah, yeah. ISSN has come up with some really good um, infograms, right? Um, and that that group with information with resistance training, even up to the three, um, uh, was it three grams per kilogram? Yeah, that's that's nuts. So cool. Was there anything else? Um, looking forward to that. Is that something that um, uh, will be released towards the the end of uh, the off season here, or are we thinking kind of in the January? Yeah, time? probably January timeframe. January, yeah. beginning of January. I want to get everyone uh, through December, mm-hmm. and I want to see how everyone takes if we need to tweak anything and I got to get some more videos done as well. Yeah. I think that's really exciting. Mitch is going to get swollen in January after Thanksgiving. He said he's going to, he's going to start riding and running and (laughs) what else? Mitch? What do you got? (laughs) No. So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm tuning everything towards after Thanksgiving, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll start trying to work on the strength and, uh, and I've been working on the, on the riding and the running and trying to get that a little bit more consistent. But, uh, the goal is uh, to really build towards a May date where I can shift really nice. to a high running plan, uh, but I got to get the volume there. Nice, nice, very nice. All right, and I'm assuming I'm assuming the weight's just going to come off all, all magically by itself, Andrea. Yeah, but well, if you do things right, yeah, without the focus right. on it. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. It, it's there were things that um, were kind of I was holding on to even towards the end of the season because I wasn't. I'm changing what I was eating because I needed to fuel all our workouts. But even in the, the first two weeks, like things are starting to move that direction and I'm still eating more as much or more than I was before. So um, it, it's a positive thing. So excellent. If we've got nothing else from the coaches, I want to thank all you viewers for joining, uh, for turning, uh, for tuning in today um, to the coaches corner. If it's your first time listening and would like to hear more content from the endurance lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search the endurance lab or head over to YouTube and search the same. And don't forget to click subscribe for more information on when the next lab is head over to endurancelab.fit to learn where you can join us, the coaches to train smart and get results. We'll see everybody next week. Have a good week, everybody. All right.